Back on. Master. I heard of your report to the Council. Tell me about this mysterious attacker on Tatooine. I encountered a highly skilled warrior, one obviously trained in the Jedi arts. And you believe it was a Sith Lord? Yes. I gather the Council was not eager to validate that conclusion. No, they were not, Master. I've been warning them about the coming darkness for years. Never to be taken seriously. Speaking on behalf of the Council, there's no reason to cause undue alarm. So you doubt his claim? No, I do not. But the wisdom of the Council is to be cautious until we know more. Master Yaddle is right about one thing. Sith Lord is not to be trifled with. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 490, Tales of the Jedi, Dooku. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Qui-Gon Jinn to my master Dooku, we have Carl LeClaire. Is that why you took things into your own hands, master? Something, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it enough to memorize all the lines yet. But, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. I absolutely so love good. this animated series, Tales of the Jedi. It's so good. Um, particularly, I think, the standout episodes are Dooku. Um, yes. And you and I had talked about this, you know, when it was first announced, when it was first coming out, when we got the details of three Ahsoka episodes, three Dooku episodes. We were like, should we talk about it all as one? They're just short and then we were like, no, let's break it up into the two characters. So we're going to hit Dooku's yes. story this week, and we'll be back next week to talk about Ahsoka's three little tone poems. Because I think her her stories are more individualized, whereas Dooku's mm-hmm. do seem to be on an arc. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a good uh, distinction to make because they also break them up. Um, you know, when you watch them on uh, on Disney Plus, they they start with um, Ahsoka's you know baby episode essentially, and then we get all three of Dooku's episodes, and then end with um, the last two Ahsoka episodes. And I think part of it is maybe they're implying that these are the order in which these all, events all take place uh, chronologically, um, but the the Dooku episodes definitely fit well together as uh three points in a story mm-hmm. uh, and really kind of give us insightful looks in his transition from a Jedi master to a Sith Lord. Uh, whereas Ahsoka's uh, stories are, are highlights of her experience uh, throughout her life. Um, it's just different, different types of stories that we're telling for these two characters 
they're they're all great. Um, I want to put it out there that number one, the show, the episodes are great. I think the stories are great. The show looks fantastic. The colors and the design and everything is just glorious. Um, and there's a, a one particular shot in here, uh, particularly in the last episode we're going to talk about the the Sith Lord that has. I think my favorite shot of the Jedi temple in all of star Wars. Mm. Um, uh, and then the music in the show is just absolutely stunning. So they put a lot of hard work into these six episodes, these six shorts. And I am, I am so happy with what we got. And, and I can't wait to talk about both sets of three. So, mm. uh, but of course, Everybody knows my boy is Dooku, so uh, we're going to start with with the Count <laughs> before he was a Count. <laughs> That's right. He, yeah, he. Be, I think like we see him get to become Count Dooku in Kevin Scott's um, audio play "Where Jedi Lost." Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a little bit of revisiting Dooku stories, both uh, that that story "Jedi Lost," which is a canon story. And then a Legends Clone Wars novel, which is uh, called Dark Rendezvous. It's a story of Yoda and Dooku during the start of the Clone War. Um, and it's awesome. It's I think it's one of the best Legends books out there, honestly. Um, so I've got a lot of Dooku stories bouncing around my head. And uh, I love what they've done with the three here because they... I'll say across all five of these stories from that book and radio drama to the to these three episodes, Dooku is a consistent character. Now there are obviously different details. Um, mm-hmm. There are things that don't necessarily line up between the Canon legend story, but I don't care. They get Dooku's character for the most part spot on. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, uh, yes, yeah, so the, the characterization of Dooku, the tone of Dooku, the sort of point of view of Dooku is very consistent. And, if you remember a couple, you know, a while back when we were sort of speculating on what was to come from this show, I said one of my biggest fears was that we were going to, uh, about this series, was that Dooku was going to get a little, I don't, shortchanged isn't quite the term I'm looking for, but I was afraid that we were going to make his fall um, too simple. Because it's a very complicated and nuanced point of view for him. He, he's, you know, it, it's a very difficult choice because he is someone who believes he's a true believer mm-hmm. in in what he's doing, and that he believes that what he is doing is ultimately going to be for the good. Um, the means, uh, the ends justify the means for Dooku mm-hmm. in a very serious way, and. Uh, what we got in these three episodes, these three shorts, is a, a beautiful look at some of the those impactful moments that really kept knocking Dooku down the line that we end up meeting him in the prequels. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I feel like and I I've watched his episodes several times in the last week. Um, I've watched Ahsoka's just the one time when it all came out, but I, I purposely waited because I was like, oh, I want to visit the Dooku episodes as much as I can to kind of prep for this. So I'm looking forward to going back to these Soak episodes because I, f- I remember before the show even came out, they kind of talked about how the shared theme of these two characters are these 
two characters who choose to leave the Jedi Order. Dooku's arc makes it very clear why he leaves. I'm not sure if that's what the Ahsoka stories are exactly doing. Um, I, I only watched him the one time, so I feel like I have to revisit. But the Dooku story... Like you said, Jason, it's it's a very clear trajectory as to what causes him to step away from the order. And, and it's so brilliantly done. Yeah. And you can understand his logic. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense. And and it's not because he's turning evil. It's because he does care so much about you. Know, he's he almost cares too much about a specific thing. You know, mm-hmm. the, the corruption, the corruption hurting people specifically, uh, which is kind of what we see uh, in a, in particularly in the first two of his stories, mm-hmm. um, the the senators and the uh, the result of, of what happens uh, with the assassination of the, you know, the senator in the second episode and the almost <laughs> him almost killing the senator in the first episode. Um you know, is because he he cares so much about their personal corruption harming the people, uh, and and he almost cares so so much about this specific issue that that kind of blinds him to to other things. Uh, and I want to get specifically about how Palpatine handles that when we talk specifically about that last episode. Yeah. Um, well, let's 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 dive in more specifically then to the to that first episode, Justice, where yes. he and Qui Gon show up on this uh, like almost looks like a farming world, mm-hmm. and, and it is a, an unnamed planet. Uh, <laughs> they have not officially announced what this planet is. Interesting. That's that's rare. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it matters. But the thing that stands out to me in this first episode, um, I mean, the first thing that kind of hits you in the face is Qui-Gon's extremely chiseled upper chest. Um, That Mm. that man has never skipped uh, inclined bench day. I'll tell you that right now. No, (laughs) he is so fit. He's he's popping out of that. uh, Those those Jedi, those Jedi robes. He he doesn't have the under tunic either. He's just got the regular tunic and the tabbers with the under tunics gone. So uh it's it's the it's the young uh bravado of a it's the bravado of a young uh, adult male uh <laughs> it's it's, Cali- it's california show off a little bit yeah 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 um but i and of course dooku it, has no beard um either right. so yeah yeah what i did appreciate though is that the the model definitely looks like christopher lee uh mm-hmm. from younger periods when he did when he didn't have a beard so uh oh, I like that that's cool yeah yeah and um they the thing that immediately i appreciate about the episode is just like you noticed earlier jason the the colors the the way this mm. series looks they show up on this dying planet you know it's it's yeah. looks like it looks kind of like a farming village um with the the tools we see laying about and everything is decrepit and dying and it's this nice story that, oh, the Jedi are here. They'll help fix things. But the people are just, they're very wary of these Jedi. Um, yeah. You know, highlighting right away that the, this is even before the Clone Wars, you know, well yes. before. This is, this is a good 15 years probably before the Clone Wars. Um, and you have, 
maybe longer, maybe 15 years before the Phantom Menace even, you know. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, because Qui-Gon's probably only like 20 there. Um, so it's probably well before. Yeah, it's probably like a good 40 years before Phantom Menace. Because um, I think Qui-Gon's in his early 60s in Phantom Menace. He looks like he's about 20 in this. So yeah, this is probably yeah. like 40 years before Phantom Menace. And that's worth noting, I think, because the Clone Wars just exasperate the galactic view of the Jedi. Um, but mm-hmm. it's clearly already happening, right? It's already yeah. in the works that the the people kind of distrust the Jedi. And Dooku shows up almost feeding that perception by like, you know, let me make my intentions clear. And he sits down and puts his like lightsaber hilt right on the table. And the people mm-hmm. are immediately know who he is. And it seems to rather than, oh, great, it's the Jedi. They'll help fix this. It's more of this. Oh, it's the it's the police of the Republic here to probably make make our life more miserable, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, the, you know the the Jedi, you know, and you'll see this again in the second episode um, are are very much seen as extensions uh, enforcement of the Republic of the mm-hmm. Senate, and this planet uh, is is suffering specifically uh, at the hands of their senator who is who is basically bleeding the planet dry for his own personal gain um and and so when they show up you know the the people automatically think the jedi are there at the behest of the senator to get his son back Mm -hmm. which is not the case right we find out later that dooku and qui-gon are here on their own recognizance, well, or on the Jedi, uh, unknown to the senator. So the senator mm-hmm. has no idea that they're even there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and may, that that little note, Jason, makes me think that maybe it's because the Senate's not informed. It's similar to the opening events of Phantom Menace. You know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are sent to, to deal with the Trade Federation around Naboo without the knowledge of the senator that they're mm-hmm. recruited by Valorum himself. So perhaps that's the same case, right? Maybe the chancellor specifically goes to Dooku um, and, uh, yeah. and invites him <laughs> to, to take care it, of this uh, uh, secretly. Yeah. It's secretly, possible. Or, or Dooku uh, saw it across the, the hollow and that the, the, the Senator's son was kidnapped. Uh, Cause I'm sure the Senator would be out there demanding action True. happen yeah. for it. Uh, and Dooku decides to just go investigate because mm. you get the idea in you know a lot of this that Dooku does things on his own recognizance you know mm-hmm. without much like Qui Gon this is where Qui Gon gets it is he goes and he does things without the approval of the Council or uh, you know at, he asks forgiveness rather than permission a lot of the time sure um, so it's possible that maybe the Council sent him maybe the the Chancellor requested someone be sent or maybe Dooku decided that they needed to go investigate on their own. They were yeah. in the area kind of. A thing. <laughs> They're um, all viable options. I yes. would think that it's not completely a solitary decision only because of the fact that in the second Dooku episode, he and Mace are on this mission specifically assigned by the council. So I feel mm-hmm. like at least the council must know. So whether the chancellor reached out to the council and said, pick your best guy or like, you know, something of that nature. I don't feel like it's a totally Dooku's doing this on his own, uh, right. his own free will. Um, something that I thought was interesting about some of the, uh, the wardrobe design of the, the villagers is it looked very like pilgrimy to me. 
like mm. is something you would see in Plymouth, Massachusetts in the 17th century. Like just yeah. something about their garb just reminded me of of like early pilgrims or something. And then even the the initial standoff between the soldiers and the villagers, the villagers' weapons look very much like old 18th century flintlock muskets from like the Revolutionary War period. Um, and this standoff between like a policing force and villagers I, it just has me it has me thinking so much of the standoff at the the Battle of Lexington that started the American Revolution, yeah. um, right? You had this organized force, and and then they with the way they shoot it too, they kind of like zoom in slowly on that one villager whose hand is shaking on the trigger, and it's like, oh, is this going to be the shot heard round the galaxy, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah um, right. So I don't know. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but. I, I read a lot of early American revolution history after you visited me last summer or last year and we did a bunch of Boston historical things. So uh, that stuff's been bopping around my mind for the last year. So I was just like, ooh, these kind of look like early like American settlers and ooh, it's an organized, you know, military force. It's it's a standoff in a village square. Like I'm like, ooh, this is Lexington. <laughs> right. I mean you're whether or not it's specifically drawing on all that, it, there's enough there. And there, that that you could definitely see the connections. Uh, it, it it definitely is, you know, uh, a ragtag group of people at their wits' end, uh, you know, scrabbling together whatever resources they have to try and make themselves heard. And the senator comes in with his. And here's the 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 great thing about the the visuals of this is because, as you said. It's it's a dying, disintegrating, you know, decrepit-looking uh, farm. The the farmhouse is is disgusting and falling apart. the The clothes that the the villagers are wearing are also, you know, very beat up and and dirty. Their weapons are beat up and dirty. But then you have the the senator and his guards come in and they're shiny crisp and they're in you know blue uniforms that are spotless and he's got this blue and white color scheme going and they just stand out against just the gray drab dirtiness of everything else mm-hmm. um and and they're you know they're definitely using color to kind of help s- separate things and differentiate things and it's it's really quite striking yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we have established through the sun, right? Like, you know, I think it is, I don't remember if it's Duke or Qui-Gon that asked him, but you know, it says, how are you not aware of this? And he's like, I spend most of my time on Coruscant living the high life. Like my yeah. dad, like, and, and those colors, again, just the, those, those very drab brown earth toned colors of the villagers. It's like, these are people of the earth rather than these hoity toity, you know, lofty, wealthy uh, military army under the senator's command. Um, it's it's just it, it's great visual storytelling. Um, it, it is, and yeah, I, I, when uh, when the soldiers show up, um, it's uh, it's such a great piece of music. The tense music that plays the name of the track on on the Tales of the Jedi soundtrack. Of course, the music composed by Kevin Kiner. Um, of Clone Wars, Rebels, and Bad Batch fame. Um, 
the name of the track is The Soldiers Are Here. It's such an epic piece of music. The way it plays under this tense moment. We have this very Western standoff like we were just talking about. And I love this framing of the senator and Dooku's verbal sparring when mm-hmm. basically the senator says, you will do, you know, you will, you're the Jedi, you will do my bidding as the Senate. And when he says that particular, and again, I'm not getting the line verbatim here, but when he says it, he points at the ground kind of at his heel, like he's, t- like he's calling his dog to heal. I just thought that mm-hmm. was a really interesting animation uh, character movement to put in there right he when he says you will do the will of the senate and he again like points at himself like calling his dog to heal and then dooku says no we are we do not serve the senate we serve the people of the republic yeah reminding everyone in that square in this tense moment that who the jedi are in the galaxy are protectors of the people of the republic they're not there at the will of the senate they're not political warriors they are there for the people. And I, I love that. I love that that's what Dooku is standing up for. Yes, absolutely. And and that is a mentality that's going to really carry over into the next episode. You know, that that idea of what the Jedi are. This is he believes that one hundred percent. He is that is that is why he is a Jedi. He is a Jedi because he is there to serve and protect the people of the Republic. But you know, that gets kind of muddled sometimes as the, the Jedi responsibilities um, and causes a confrontation like this. And the confrontation, of course, gets violent. We have a complete you know mm-hmm. shootout between the villagers and the guards. Uh, Dooku and Qui-Gon have to get involved. They draw their sabers. Uh, and it's not going well. It's not going well. The, the villagers you know, are about as effective as their garb implies, which is not hardly at all. Uh, and the Jedi are, are struggling to protect them all uh, just due to the efficiency of the soldiers. I wish the, uh, the head villager had stepped forward and said, we're keepers of the soil, not soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, they are. Um, but, but Dooku does something drastic, uh, and he starts to choke the senator. And he is so enraged by the hubris of the senator mm-hmm. and his callousness towards the people he is supposed to be serving. Uh, you know, the, the, these you know, Dooku views the senators as having or as. Ideally, they should be serving the people that they represent. Mm-hmm. But this senator has been using them to elevate himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that it has gotten so far to the point where he is now killing his own people uh, in this situation has just enraged Dooku to the point where he is about to kill the senator. And Qui-Gon has to rush back, uh, free the senator's son, and get the son involved in order to break through Dooku's clouded judgment at that point. Yeah. Two things I'm thinking about in that, the heat of that moment. First is that the Senator can't get out the word Jedi. He says, even you will do my bidding master. Je-. And as soon as he starts to say Jedi, he gets choked out. And I just, yeah. again, think it's, it's interesting that he can't even get the word Jedi out to describe Dooku. 
almost as if in indicating he's not going to be a Jedi for much longer. Um, oh, so it's, I just, it's, it's and, expert story. Crafting. Yeah. And the way he falls to his knees gasping, it's the same body language as Krennic and rogue one when Vader's choking him out. Um, it's just, you know, this, these kind of people that are high and mighty on themselves immediately getting humbled. Uh, in the face of the force, all the hinting all the way back to the original, the original uh, humility choke <laughs> uh, at Admiral Mahdi. Um Yes. But uh, yeah, it's it's really powerful in that moment. And, you know, Dooku throwing Qui-Gon back with the force and mm-hmm. he's willing to do whatever it takes to eradicate that sort of injustice. Um, yes. And, and that kind of brashness to just go off the deep end like that, that's very Anakin. Um, and not to, I, I say that in the sense of like there are two different characters who go to the dark side for very different reasons. But that something similar between them, of course, is when they see something wrong in their eyes, they have no hesitancy to take action, even if it's violent action. Correct. Correct. And, and this harmful corruption, this, this murderous corruption, uh, is something that Dooku cannot stand, which of course, um, is a bit ironic considering where he ends up. Uh, you know, but that's the way of the dark side. So, um, but yeah, the, the sun manages to essentially bring peace to everyone it says i will make sure things change and uh you know the senator is is chastised and humbled uh by his son uh definitely wary of dooku um now uh you know he's going to be filing a report with the senate um (laughs) (laughs) but uh but I love the end montage that we get because mm-hmm. as the senator and his son drive away in their speeder, we get to see the sun coming out and the soldiers that uh, didn't leave with the senator are, are helping the people, you know, helping with their, their livelihoods, helping put things back together and just helping them in general. You know, there's there's one, you know, uh, alien, I think it's an Arcona who sits down and he looks like he's nursing, uh, you know, some sort of injury. And a, a, one of the soldiers uh, kneels down to, to take a look at it. And it's just, it's a really beautiful thing. And Dooku praises Qui-Gon and says, your actions saved many lives today. Mm. And then says, you're a much wiser Jedi than I am, yeah. uh, which we know to be true because Qui-Gon is probably one of the wisest Jedi to ever exist. Um, Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that scene because it also, right. These episodes are always about Dooku. um, But just even in that little instance in this little exchange between Qui-Gon and uh, and Qui-Gon and Dooku here at the end where Qui-Gon just says, well, I just, I was in the moment, right? This, this is Qui-Gon. That's, I mean, that's his opening lines essentially to Obi-Wan and Phantom Menace is about being in the moment, attentive to the living force. So I like that even in just the side off sensibility, that's who Qui-Gon has just kind of always been in relation with the force, always been someone who's very present to the moment. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like a lot of 
Dave Filoni Star Wars really feeds off of the George Lucas uh, motto of it's like poetry. They rhyme. Um, yes. Because this scene also between Dooku and Qui-Gon is so um, reminiscent of the scene we'll get between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon on Naboo when mm-hmm. Jar Jar is off trying to find the Gungans. Similar to the moment between Obi-Wan and Anakin when they part ways for the final time in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Mm-hmm. This this affirmation that, as Yoda tells Luke in Last Jedi, they are what we grow beyond. Right. Um, or yeah. they are. We are what they grow beyond. Excuse me. Yes, we are. <laughs> Not yes. they are. <laughs> we are. Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, in that moment, right, Dooku is acceding to the fact that Qui-Gon will become someone even more wise than he is. And Qui-Gon then passes that adive on to onto Obi-Wan. And I feel like Obi-Wan foolheartedly passes it on to Anakin. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate that it's in there just even in that kind of just very Star Wars tropiness. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and each of these things aren't done, you know, aren't aren't thrown away. So it's really nice to, you know, see that kind of, uh, while it is a bit of a trope, it still is a meaningful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's definitely well earned in Qui-Gon's case here. So, yeah, it's, uh, I find the Dooku stories um, to be somewhat reminiscent of the prequel story in general, just Again, it's the mm-hmm. story of somebody's fall to the dark side. And this first episode ends somewhat on a lighter note, right? Like you mentioned, Jason, the sun's coming out. People are helping one another. And even the music has like this very whimsical innocence buried underneath the ominous music that's throughout most of the episode. At the end, as Qui-Gon and Dooku start walking off to the ship, kind of, you know, with the sun before them, there is a hint of like, will, you know, will things get better? Well, let's fast forward, Jason, to the next episode um, entitled Choices. and So many choices. Yeah. And we don't know how many years later this is. I mean, they're obviously keeping that very open-ended. I mean, Dooku's got a beard now. It's not gray yet. So this could be... He's he's no longer Qui-Gon's master. Right. Uh, So Qui-Gon's no longer his apprentice. So... Uh, he's teamed up with Mace Windu on this mission, uh, and Mace Windu is not on the Jedi Council mm-hmm. yet. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And this this whole opening scene of them in the shuttle together is just uh, establishing their difference of opinion on the way one serves as a Jedi. Um, you know, Windu is a rule follower. You know, as Dooku says, I find it sometimes admirable and at times. And- maddening maddening <laughs> yes i love that line that's one of my favorite lines about all of this uh sometimes i find your fidelity to the rules inspiring and other times maddening. uh you know it's done with a little bit of an ironic lilt but also like dooku is like but seriously loosen up a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so um and and that that difference between the two of them is just completely and abundantly clear with every single action that happens in this episode Mm -hmm. um because they're they're going to raxus which is an important planet because it ends up becoming the capital planet of the separatists during the clone wars it's it's where senator mina bonteri is from and lux bonteri are from 
from the Clone Wars. Um, and so that's that's a an important thing to note. Um, and they are there to recover the body of a Jedi Master who was slain in an ambush protecting the Senator of Raxus. Mm-hmm. Things aren't quite what they seem, or at least Dooku suspects they aren't. And so while they're here to collect the body of the Jedi Master to take her back to the temple for burial, um, Dooku wants to uh, do some poking around, and Mace is like, well, that's not what we were sent here to do. Yeah. But Dooku does it anyway. <laughs> we will find out who's trying to kill you, Padme. We will not exceed the mandate of... Uh, mandate, my young Padme. Yeah, right, you will learn your place. Yeah, you yes. will learn your place, young one. Um, it's Yeah, it's absolutely that energy of Mace is just going to do anything the council asks. He just accepts it as gospel, whereas Dooku is not like that, you know? If you just listened to the council, you'd be on it already, master, you know? Yeah. Um, I will do what I must, Obi-Wan. <laughs> um, exactly, exactly. The, the only prob- the only thing here is that uh, Windu and Dooku are more peers than uh, Master and Apprentice. For so sure. The, the yeah. conversation's a little bit more of a, a rep, a, uh, uh, more, a little bit more of a duel <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dooku it, keeps trying to like poke at, at Mace and Mace just keeps putting the shield of the rules up is what I feel like. It's like Mace hides behind the shield of the rules and Dooku keeps kind of just poking at it a little bit well i I don't think it's so much about him poking at it it's 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 that that adage of an immovable object and an un and and an unstoppable force right dooku's kind of this Mm. unstoppable force that will stop at nothing to get to the truth and windu is this unmovable object that just says no we're here for this and this is what we're doing period right we're here to retrieve the body you know she was assassinated by these supposed rebels like we accept that we're just here to get the body and dooku's like nah bro (laughs) we're gonna look into this (laughs) and i love that he just he won't be stopped and mace is i appreciate to some degree mace is willing then you know after their initial conversation when they're told that they'll take them to the the ambush site mace pulls him aside and basically says like you're right there is something going on here but Let's tell let's tell the teacher first, right? <laughs> like we can't yeah. go off on assignment yet. We have to let the teacher know. And Dooku's like, "Why waste time? We got we're on to something here. Let's just keep moving, right?" Uh, I yeah, like that little exactly. moment too. Exactly. And they they go to the ambush spot, which is a just the design of this the the glade that they go into is absolutely gorgeous. The forest is beautiful. The ship is is. Uh, very stylish. Um, the colors are bright and colorful. Uh, and yet there's, there's saber cuts in the tree and blast marks on the rocks. And all of them coming from the area where the senator's ship was parked and not towards it, um, as one would imagine would be the case if there was an attack on the senator that the Jedi got killed in. Mm-hmm. which is what the story is. Uh, but yeah. that's not the case at all. Yeah. I mean, Dooku's aware that they're, they're covering something up and they're lying. And, and his response to that is consistent with the way he responded to a corrupt Senator in the last episode, right? He, he whips out that lightsaber and turns it on and he's like, I will have my answers, you know? Yes. Again, I will have the truth. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so Anakin. It's, we see Anakin it do this throughout the clone wars all the time with people. Um, 
the way he just uh, strong arms people with the force and his warrior tactics uh, to, to get the truth. Um, and like you said at the start, Jason, right? Like Dooku is somebody who would say that the means justify the ends, right? Um, yes. You know, do whatever you need to, to have the right outcome. Right. Um, right. So, and then this, this fight sequence I think is really well done. I mean, it's really well animated yeah. and choreographed, like watching just how powerful Mace and Dooku are. Dooku's sword play is almost beautiful to watch, which makes sense, right? That's always been consistent with his characters. He's a fencer. He's a duelist. He, he, he really takes seriously the art of sword play. And Mace mm-hmm. Windu is just a powerhouse, you know, jumping yeah. in between those droids and basically doing Luke Skywalker's force ability from Battlefront 2, where you just put, yes. you, you do like a force yep. push out in a big circle. Um, you know, it, it, these two are such powerful warriors with very different fighting styles, which, Jason, this always brings me back to when we very first started in the early days of, of doing character matchups. I've always yes. wanted to know who would win in a duel between Mace and uh, Dooku. And oh man, seeing them fight side by side, it, it just makes it even closer because it's yeah. two different, very different styles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and I think it, I think it does matter when and when we are talking about it in their career. Like, I feel like in this particular episode, if they were to just for whatever reason just go at each other, it honestly just feels like it would be a draw. I don't think either one could get the upper hand. Um, yeah, I think by Attack of the Clones, I actually think Dooku has the upper hand. A slight, a slight amount, just because of his dabbling so in the dark side. Mace has just kind of always been on the stig, you know, the kind of the stringent, <laughs> orthodox path, whereas Dooku has allowed himself to evolve. Um, right. So I think in Attack of the Clones, Dooku could have bested him. Um, I think so too. But uh, yeah, uh, even in the uh, that that's one of the points that's brought up a lot in the. Matthew Stover's uh, Clone Wars novel Shatterpoint, Mace Windu's often thinking about if I had just done it then and there, if I had just struck Dooku down instead of drawing mm-hmm. down on this, wasting time on this bounty hunter. Um, right. So it, it implies that he thinks he could take him. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, back to the episode itself at hand. And, um, you know, when they, when they learn the truth that again, a similar story to the previous episode that the Senator is, is, just taking advantage of his people. He really just cares about lining his own pockets, living the high life on Coruscant, right? Ignoring the people. These episodes I think are very poignant for our times in a period when um, there are a lot of people that feel unheard, feel left out and are looking for politicians that actually genuinely hear them um, and hear their voices. Uh, I think those themes across these first two episodes are very just they're very poignant. I mean, I think they're universal. That's always true, right? Yeah. It's, it's always true yeah. that people want to be heard, especially by those in authority. Um, but we hear a lot of vo- loud voices like that right now in contemporary times. So I think it's it's really hitting that moniker of um, are our systems serving the people they claim to serve, right? Uh, so I, I like that contemporary yet universal question being being looked at here. And and in Dooku's mind, the answer is no, the system's broken. <laughs> right. And as they, you know, they they finish the, the confrontation with the guards, there's only one left, the leader. And uh, Mace says, why didn't you just mm-hmm. tell the Jedi? Uh, why don't you just come to her? And he says... The Jedi are the lapdogs of the Senate. Mm. Uh, so nothing would have been done. Mm-hmm. And Mace just says, she's a Jedi. She would have listened. 
Baduku ponders that. Uh, and later on, they, you know, Dooku visits this man in his prison cell and says, I don't agree with your methods. Uh, and I, you know, I don't condone your methods and I don't agree with your, uh, your philosophy entirely, but you're not wrong about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, because Duke, this is, you know, we, we know that Dooku was disillusioned with the Jedi order, um, and their closeness with the Senate. And that is one of the key reasons he left the Jedi order is because he felt they were becoming too intertwined. And right. we see that coming out here. And, you know, he, he tries to offer some words of encouragement to this man, uh, as well. So, you yeah. Know, to yeah. not leave his people without hope. Right, exactly. It's 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 almost an up, uplifting moment for the character's name is Samaj. Um mm-hmm. which is fine interesting because it sounds like Savage. <laughs> but uh, right. it's spelled very differently, but it's pronounced Samaj. And he says your people must evolve. Right? Mm-hmm. Um they have to become something better than the system constraining them. And and I love that he chooses the word evolve because that's Probably what Dooku sees his journey doing by stepping out of the order and then stepping into allegiance with a Sith Lord is this is his own evolution. This is his own mm-hmm. coming out of the the rigid shell of the Jedi Order to become something new, which to him is hopeful, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and of course, all of this seems to be underscored. Uh, when they return to the the temple for the funeral, and then find out that Mace Windu is taking this Jedi Master's council seat because she was a member of the Jedi Council, mm-hmm. um, and and Duke was like, "Did you know about this? Did you know this was happening when we were sent on this mission?" And he was like, "Mace is like, no, I didn't, but I followed the rules, and so that's why I'm here." Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was the teacher's you know, pet, so I got an A. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can't you know, stand and, Mace Windu in this episode. I mean, it just further yeah. it just furthers my disdain of this super dogmatic Jedi. <laughs> so you know who you, you know who would have yes. been his best friend? The clone trooper Dogma. <laughs> the one who mm-hmm. the one who backs Pong Krell. <laughs> so. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh they would they would have gotten along rather well. Um but you know he also says, well, your actions on this mission led to the death of a Republic Senator. I will speak to the council on your behalf though. You know, and it's just like, so, Oh, so thank pompous. you. Yeah. Master Jedi. Yeah. And the sarcasm and yeah. just seething, uh, irritation in yeah. that. Oh, thank you. Master Jedi. Right. Is you can just, it's dripping. Yes, uh, out of Dooku's words. Yeah, and that's yeah. how the episode ends. Yeah, there, it, there's such a like pretentiousness to Mace. And I, I, I genuinely don't think Mace was playing some power game to get that seat in any way. No, I think he was genuinely. I mean, I think he was aware that that seat was probably now open because apparently she was a member of the High Council. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Mace goes there with any expectation that he might fill it. Um, but isn't surprised that he no. is asked because he's always been the do-good Jedi who does the will of the council. So it makes sense right. to him. And, it, and I feel like in his pompousness, in his chastisement of, of Dooku at the end of the episode, 
What's real for Mace, though, at least to, to, to at least try to be somewhat of a def- defensive of this character. I'm not crazy about. I think in his defense, he he really does just genuinely believe that the the council and the order are fine. They're always doing the right thing. Um, and uh, yeah, Dooku just steps yeah. out of line too much. Yeah, he uh, Mace Windu for as pompous and dogmatic as he can be is not a malicious. He doesn't have malicious motives. Um, his motives are very pure, uh, which which is to be commendable. Um, he just believes that the best way to achieve things is to go through the systems that are already in place. And that playing too loose with the systems uh, gives room for mistakes, like the one that resulted in a senator's death. Um, I mean, this example could, you know, back up that claim, you know, because without uh, Dooku going off script, so to speak, the senator probably would still be alive and maybe they would still have discovered uh, things down the road. Who knows? But the direct actions that were taken led to a confrontation that resulted in the death of a senator. Right. Um, and, you know, they're, they both have their point, you know, in this episode that the, the senator was corrupt uh, and was, was harming his people. The, and that the actions took, uh, we're outside of the code orders, the, the code structure, and could have avoided a, a messy confrontation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But the way it was handled and the resulting elevation of Mace Windu to the council uh, definitely don't sit well with Dooku. Uh, nope. Yeah, and... Leading us then into the final episode of this arc, the Sith Lord, uh, somewhere again, we don't know how many years are between these two episodes, but in between these two episodes, Dooku has left the order. And I think this is where I think canon gets tricky um, and people Mm -hmm. were kind of confused because Dooku seems to still be a Jedi walking around the temple and everything. But if you look at, I've seen people put these on Twitter, but like there are other sources in Canon that make it clear that even after Dooku left the order, actually, well, the the most recent, uh, one of the most recent YA books, the the book entitled Padawan by Kirsten White, which is, you know, a story about a young Obi-Wan. He hears in passing that Dooku is visiting the temple and he's like, Oh, I, I want to meet him. So it's clear that he leaves, you know, prior to Obi-Wan becoming Qui-Gon's apprentice. Um, but, you know, I think if you've only ever seen episode two, the the supposition is almost that Dooku just left and then he was never seen from again um, until, you know, until the separatist movement starts. But it seems that in the early days of his choosing to leave the Order, it, while I'm sure they're obviously very sad that he's left the, the formal Order, he's still a welcome guest. Um, which I find really mm-hmm. interesting and, and not interesting in the sense of like, it doesn't make sense, but um, worth noting that he, he seems to have a trouble maybe initially letting go. Yeah. Well, you know, he, 
he believes, you know, in the idea, what he believes the ideals of the Jedi are to, you know, serve the galaxy, serve the people of the galaxy. And he believes at the core of the Jedi is this good. Um, he just thinks that the leadership is getting too entwined with the Senate and that the Senate is getting their, their claws too deep into the order. And that's causing them to act more out of political necessity than the will of the force, their own and their own guidance and wisdom. Um, and so he still finds good things within them. Uh, just the, the structure as a whole is being pulled out of line in his, in his view, um, which isn't, a, which isn't completely wrong, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, so he, he does come back a few times apparently. And this is one of those visits and this visit is happening uh, during the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And, and it's this famous moment we've heard of him deleting the uh, information about Camino in, in, in the archives. And Jason, I feel like you'll remember this because I, I can't remember exactly how it shakes out. So we learn about the demise of sifo DS in uh, the Lost Mission season of Clone Wars, which I believe is season six. Um, yes. sifo Dias's death is sort of at the hands of Dooku. Now, again, not directly. Like, Dooku doesn't personally kill sifo Dias, which I think in Legends canon, that's kind of what it was, is that's kind of mm-hmm. his his proving his point to... Um, right. To, to Sidious that he's going to be loyal. Um, they change that up here with, with what's going to go down with Yaddle. Um, but that said, is... Um, yeah, is is Dooku responsible for the death of sifo Dias? I believe so. I believe the the mission uh, that the the information that sifo Dias was following uh, when he ended up uh, where he ended up was given to him by Dooku, uh, and was encouraged to act on it quickly. Um, and without, you know, informing the council of his decision, uh, so the Dooku's actions and information led to the death of Sifo-Dyas, Um and and that's why you know, and that's how Dooku was able to get his information and to you know start using Sifo-Dyas as a name uh, for the clones, uh, even though, you know, he wasn't Sifo-Dyas, so. <laughs> but isn't, isn't Sifo-Dyas the one who order like, he actually does order the clones because, again, in Jedi Lost, you learn about Sifo-Dyas having these more and more powerful visions of the future about essentially a war coming. Um, yes. So, and he shares those intimately with Dooku, and Dooku's one of the few people to believe him. Yes, uh, but I believe it's you know I believe the initial order was placed by Sifo-Dyas, also at the behest of Dooku. But from what I remember, and I'm gonna have to go back and double check some of this, uh, and it's still kind of hazy. The idea is that um, some of the once the initial order was made, Dooku took over uh, as Sifo-Dyas to kind of you know hire Django and to um, 
shepherd through the initial, you know, creation of the clone army. Um, so, uh, yeah, if I recall correctly. Okay. Uh, All right. That but the, like I said, that the mission itself that killed Sifo-Dyas was information given to him by Dooku. Uh, and that's why he was out of the way and why Dooku yep. was using his passcode right. in this episode to go yeah. delete all the Jedi temple information about Kamino. Uh, Dangerous and disturbing this is. Hmm. Only Indeed. a Jedi could have erased those files. But who? Count Dooku. Indeed. And why? Because he hates you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, At the behest of Palpatine. Right. Um, um, yeah, so it, it was just really cool to, to see that, that, that moment, you know, that's clearly insinuated in the prequel trilogy, to just see the moment and just kind of what i appreciate about it is it's just so it's just so common right there's nothing the music is what sets the tone of the mystery and the eeriness like i, I love the music at the start of this episode and throughout I mean, again like we said the music throughout all of this is amazing but um yes. there's something so ominous about it he just he's just casually walking in like we don't see him like looking over his shoulder constantly like is anybody watching it's just he just goes in and he does it and he leaves. Um, it's yeah. just, it's the, so when he, when he goes into the, you know, the area where the, the memory banks are, you know, he does kind of do a quick glance and then he's in the door super fast. Like no one notices him go in. Um, I do know they make that, but like, yeah, the rest of his travel through the, the archives, the temple archives, the Jedi library, it's like, he's super, super casual. And nobody's, nobody's watching him. Nobody finds his presence unusual mm -hmm. you know it, it really is just another day in the temple yeah and this makes me curious and i and I'd, I'd love to get another story about dooku's actual leaving um and you know what is the relationship established you know what are the breakup terms right <laughs> what are the what are the terms yeah. of the divorce here is dooku allowed to come in and play with the kids on occasion or does he only get them on weekends who knows um right right like it's it's we're being told where things stand but we're not told how they get there and I, i'll admit when i first watched it jason i was like oh damn it like why is this not getting explained like why didn't i get to see him first meet palpatine because I, I really want to see that but i think all the answers as to where that's why he's doing this all those answers are given the motives the heart of the matter if you will is what these three vignettes highlight it highlights why he does the things. Now, what was it like when he met Palpatine? Maybe that's a story we will get later on down the road. Um, and honestly, I'd kind of love to see it. Um, yeah. Right. Does does he leave knowing Palpatine? Like, does he leave knowing that the Sith Lord is out there and that's part of his leaving? Or does he leave and then meets Palpatine? And I think in the now Legends novel, Labyrinth of Evil, which is the immediate prequel to Revenge of the Sith... Um, we get a lot about Dooku's backstory for leaving the order. And I'm pretty sure in that, and again, it's legend, so it doesn't really matter what it says at this point. But in that novel, if I remember correctly, Dooku had left, like he had chosen to leave the order and then Sidious recruits him. And I think the way the, and again, it's been a minute since I've read the book, so I could be wrong on these details. And if you're listening and know it, please let us know. Um, but if I remember correctly, Palpatine recruits him after Maul is killed. So like it wouldn't exactly agree with the canonicity of this story, but 
Um, if I remember right, at least Dooku had left and then Palpatine finds him. It's not him seeking Palpatine. So I'm asking those questions that we clearly don't have the answers to yet. Um, but right. I'm just curious, right? I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, cause we don't know when Dooku left specifically yet. You know, that's still kind of a nebulous time frame. Um, but what we do know is that by this time, uh, he has been working for Sidious. He's no longer, he's not quite a, a full Sith Lord, obviously, because he knows about Maul. He mentions Maul by name to, to Sidious later when, uh, when he finds out that Maul is the one who killed Qui-Gon. Um, but, you know, he's, he's working these, uh, you know, these machinations for Palpatine and he's very involved still. Um, you know, very early on in all of this. So, uh, but yeah, the, the interesting thing that happens after he deletes the Camino information is that he comes out and, uh, Qui-Gon is reporting to the council that he has encountered a Sith Lord. And Dooku gets very interested about that. A Sith Lord? Yes, a Sith Lord. Um, <laughs> Impossible. The Sith have been extinct for a millennium. I, I do not believe do not the believe. Sith <laughs> return without us knowing. Yeah. <laughs> ah, hard to see the dark side is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Dooku has to double check and make sure, hey, wh- where was this that he met the Sith Lord? And Jocasta was like, oh, it was. I think it was a place called Tatooine or something mm. like that, you know. Um, it's like, oh, okay, good. You know, yeah, yeah. It's not my guy. <laughs> exactly. It's, exactly. It's uh, it's his. Uh, yeah, it's his enforcer. Um, it's his fl- it's yeah, flunky. Uh, I love the scene between uh, Dooku and Qui Gon, and and Yaddle's just kind of there as a third party, if you will. But, um, you know, he's he's really angry. He's really angry that the council isn't believing. Qui-Gon even in the is that clope the previous episode closes with Jocasta Nu and she's she's also kind of snickering about Qui-Gon like oh just like you he has a bit of an imagination and he's like y'all could use some of that right about now <laughs> right like yeah, yeah what they see as disdainful Dooku sees as merit um and and I like in that scene between him and Qui-Gon while Dooku is obviously still allowed in the temple he clearly doesn't have you know, a disruptive relationship with, with the order. Um, it's clear he's an outcast. Um, and I think I thought that that's what really hit me in this episode is that his notions, especially probably later on in his Jedi tenure are just so ignored by the council. I warned them about the coming darkness and they didn't believe me just like they don't believe you. Right. He's so pissed off that the council continues to ignore things. Um, and, and it makes it very clear that Dooku is kind of this outcast, um, he's yeah. not taken seriously, just like Qui-Gon's not being taken seriously. And I like that Yaddle speaks up in the moment and is just like, whoa, hold on. Like, and I do think she is like this. I appreciate her stance. She's like, listen, we're basically she because Dooku says point blank. You think he's lying? And she's like, it doesn't really matter what I think. We don't know for sure. And we just don't want to cause ceaseless alarm until we know for sure. Right. Yeah. Like she's she's kind of trying to tamper this fire. Whereas Dooku's like, yo, like, let that blaze. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. She's like, we just don't know anymore. We need more information. 
Um, and, you know, do, but of course, Dooku, uh, much like Qui-Gon, obviously, acts on instinct, you know, uh, a lot more than the council does. And, and maybe that is the wisdom of the council to some extent is to let cooler heads prevail sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this moment, you know, Yaddle even admits, you know, I, I don't, uh, disbelieve Qui-Gon, you know, I don't doubt Qui-Gon, but the council has decided to, you know, move to, to exercise caution, mm-hmm. uh, yep. in order to get more information, um, which uh, on a side note, I found it absolutely fascinating that Bryce Dallas Howard is Yaddle. Yeah. I, um, love, that. I love that she voices she, Yaddle. She does an amazing job. Uh, like I had no idea it was her. So <laughs> well done, Bryce. Um, and, do, um, Filoni shared in a recent interview because people were very curious to see like, oh, is she going to talk like Yoda? And Filoni says the reason he chose to not have her speak that way is because for him, Yoda is emulating his master um, that he learned it from this ancient Jedi. Um, and, and I think it is established that Yaddle's not quite as old as Yoda. Like Yoda's about oh, yeah. 800 in this in, in all of this time period. She's I feel like she's maybe like 500. So I'm sure I'm sure she's old, but she's not Yoda at, old. At most, you yeah. know, at most. She's you know, she's yeah. in her she's at least half Yoda's age is right. what I would say. Um and, and I, I like that it maintains a distinction of Yoda, right? Um mm-hmm. when they gave us the child in Mandalorian, I was like please don't ever let them name the species. Like I don't want to see their home world. And as of yet, we still haven't and hopefully won't. So like with Yaddle, I'm, I'm glad that she doesn't speak the same way as Yoda. Cause it just differentiates that they're individuals. Um, they're not just cause of the yeah. same species doesn't mean they're the same. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, but Duke, and I then- love this. I love this shot um, of Dooku and Yaddle parting ways. It's again, beautiful lighting, beautiful storytelling just through composition. Yaddle goes off to the left into the light, whereas Dooku goes off to the right into the shadows, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's very on the nose uh, imagery, but I still love it. I mean, that's George Lucas imagery. It's a fairy tale. It's, it's meant to be simple to comprehend. Um, yes. It's, the the symbology in the design and the the artistry of the the action on camera, if you will, uh, is is as much a part of the story as the dialogue and the motivations of the characters. Um, Absolutely. So. Um, and uh, and then we get this and then, amazing piece of music as, yeah, as we, Dooku takes off to go meet his secret master and the music is so good no first Hmm. first we get oh right the scene thank you yeah kind of an important one yes (laughs) um after after qui-gon is killed has has been killed Mm. um and the the scene opens with like i said probably my favorite shot of the jedi temple my favorite just visual shot the the um there's, you know, clouds on the horizon, but still sunlight streaming through. Uh, the just the the beauty of this this visual is astounding, and it's one of my favorite shots, if not my favorite shot of the Jedi Temple. Uh, period. Just mm. the establishing shot of it. So, um, but then we we see this this tree that we've we've seen it several times during the Clone Wars. Dooku is meditating uh, by it, and he's reminiscing to Yaddle about the you know, taking Qui-Gon here and how Qui-Gon was just fascinated by it since he was 
born and raised on Coruscant, and yet here was this tree in this world of metal and all of that. Um, yeah, that scene really implies a compassion and care that Dooku had for Qui-Gon that um, yeah. I don't think we've ever gotten so explicitly, right? I mean, it's it's always been established that a, a master has a very special relationship with their Padawan. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, there's several scenes in the Master and Apprentice novel that flash back to Qui-Gon's days as Dooku's apprentice. And and from what I remember, Dooku's just, he's always just very stern with Qui-Gon. Not mean, just stern. Um, mm-hmm. There doesn't, and, and right, I think caring for people looks differently depending on the person doing it, right? Like Dooku's yeah. way of caring isn't mean. It's just, it's just more distant. It's more, I don't know, it's just different. It's not, it's not like lovey-dovey if you will um yeah yeah but it, no but he, this scene he is, cares yeah and this scene establishes he cares. that he really cares but you know you get the impression that you know these kinds of sentiments weren't voiced to qui-gon directly mm-hmm. you know Ooh. because it almost feels like a sense a, a sense of regret as yeah. he's standing there by the tree yeah you know and Gaddle says the council is about to leave to naboo for the funeral you sure you don't want to go? He says, no, I have to move on. And she's, she asks him, are you sure you can? And he says, what choice have I? Yeah. And he, and he leaves. And there's, you know, oh, there's that great and visual storytelling of the storm cloud kind of going over his head as he's, as he's mm-hmm. confessing this. I wonder, and, and again, this is, <laughs> Canon is just there's they keep cramming so much into particular periods of canon without clearly painting things. So I I don't remember it quite as clearly. Um, but I wonder if Qui Gon's death. Um, and and I shared on our Instagram the other day that the painting that you have in your house, Jason, of mm-hmm. uh, Chris Travas did of of Dooku looking at Mace or looking at Qui Gon being killed by um. Darth Maul, Maul. like a hollow recorder and and Sidious kind of smiling in the background and Dooku looking shocked. Um, I wonder if part of the reason this really escalates Dooku's journey to the dark is because what if he saw Qui-Gon as kind of his final hope in the order of like, well, Qui-Gon's like me, he's, but he's more respected than me. So maybe he'll finally be able to get their ear. Maybe he'll finally be able to get their attention. And now seeing that Qui-Gon's dead, all hope is lost. For, in Dooku's mind, perhaps. Um, and- I mean, you're you're probably onto something. I, I I do think you know he obviously keeps coming back to the temple for a reason. Not only just at the bidding of of Palpatine to to you know erase files uh, and other things, but you know he's obviously returned multiple times. Specifically, we know to talk to Qui Gon. You know, as as was referenced in the the Padawan uh, book. Um, so I think you're, you're right to some degree is that Dooku finds a lot of hope for the Jedi in Qui-Gon and, and now that Qui-Gon is, is dead, uh, that breaks Dooku to an extent. And, and we, we then travel to the works to Dooku to see Palpatine and, and Palpatine quickly just gets his claws in Dooku. Dooku is at his lowest right now. Really quick though, before we get into yes. the Palpatine stuff, I just want to make a quick note how good the music is of him leaving 
And mm. when Dooku, when we get that shot of him getting into his ship to fly off, there's just, uh, this is what I feel through the music. I just feel loneliness coming off of Dooku. I think he yeah. feels so alone in a whole new profound way um, as he yeah. goes off to Sidious and, and to really start solidifying this master apprentice relationship. Um, yeah. There is a sense of loneliness that I just feel conveyed in, in, in that shot with this music. So, and this is the Dooku that goes to see Palpatine, right? I think it's important maybe that, yeah. that, that, that emotional sensibility is established that, this is probably Dooku at a very despondent uh, place. Oh yeah, he is absolutely one hundred percent at his lowest. You know, he is he's lonely. He is sad. Uh, he's despairing. Um, you know, the he's so hurt by this that he's not even going to the funeral. You know, yeah. he he can't. He is he is forcing himself to cut everything off. Um, and even if he wasn't going to join Palpatine as a Sith right after this, I think it would be highly unlikely that he would ever return to the Jedi temple again. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he is, he is isolating himself from the Jedi because he believes the Jedi are a big part of why Qui-Gon is dead because they refuse to listen to the warnings that both he and Qui-Gon kept telling the council uh, he holds them in some sense responsible for the death of Qui-Gon. The other person he holds responsible is Palpatine because Maul yeah. is the one who killed Dooku or uh, who killed Qui-Gon. And he goes to Palpatine and uh, is, is he, he tells about, you've gone too far. You know, Qui-Gon could have been a powerful ally and Palpatine is quick to say for you, and then Dooku just lists everything that he has done for, mm -hmm. for Palpatine. You know, Sifo-Dyas, the clones, Camino, and now this. Where you know he's he is just so distraught by his betrayal of everything. He says he even says that I have betrayed everything I ever cared for. Mm -hmm. um, and that is exactly what Palpatine wants. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it is that moment where, where Dooku is just like at his wits end about coming to the realization of everything that he has done, the despair and anger at the passing of Qui-Gon, um, and then the sudden appearance of Yaddle, who has been uh, sensing the turmoil within Dooku and his concern mm -hmm. about it. Um well, and Dooku goes here, um, and I think what's very notable is the way he just kind of stands up to Palpatine, right? He does. I don't think it is. I don't think they've got that firmly established master apprentice relationship quite yet. Like Dooku is like, you've gone too far, you know. Like mm -hmm. just him. Say, we've never heard somebody really speak like that to Sidious, um, right? And like he's he's not afraid of him. Like he's he's pissed off. Uh, I, I just think that's so worth noting because it, when we see later on in Clone Wars episodes, right? Like every time Sidious calls him on the you know the the hollow the hollow transmitter, he immediately like right drops to his knee. My master, right? Like he's so much more Palpatine's object as as things go on. 
But in this moment, we do see him sort of standing up to him. And I just think that's really interesting. And um, we also hear, you know, as he kind of makes the laundry list of like all the things he's done and, and, and the remorse that he's now carrying with him. You know, there's this level of guilt for the things he's done and the betrayal he's committed. And Sidious says, well, sacrifices are necessary in order to remake the galaxy. And I think that's right there, just that simple line. That's what brings Dooku to Palpatine, to Sidious, um, yeah. is this promise to to fix this corrupt Republic, this corrupt Senate, this dying Jedi Order. I will remake it, but that's going to cost a lot. And Dooku isn't sure that he's ready to do it. And... The way Sidious reframes that, right? Like all these things I gave up, all these betrayals I did. He said, not betrayal, loyalty to a greater cause, right? So yes. Sidious reframes it, gives him permission. I mean, it's, it's similar tactics to what he does to Anakin. It's giving permission to those darker things that we do. Uh, and, and to something, you know, you said at the start of the episode, Jason, again, for somebody like Dooku where the means can justify the ends, Sidious knows that Sidious knows that that's truth. That is true for Dooku. So that's something he can use here is yeah, I can use these betrayals and make him think, Oh, they're not so bad because you're being loyal to this, to this dream that we both have to remake the galaxy for peace and order. Dooku is an idealist. uh, And that idealism is wielded against him by Palpatine. You know, it, Dooku is devoted to this cause. It's cause of, of, of fixing things that he sees as broken. Um, and all of that is about to come crumbling down with the appearance of Yaddle. And so, and here's the thing. You, you say that, that Palpatine reframes everything as loyalty to this, this, the greater good that they're trying to work towards. But as soon as Yaddle shows up, Sidious says, prove your loyalty to me and kill her. Mm -hmm. He moves the goalposts just further down Mm -hmm. because now the greater good can only be achieved through Palpatine's plans. And so not only does he have to be loyal to those plans, but now he has to be loyal to Palpatine. And that's Mm -hmm. what makes Dooku subservient. Good point. That's because right now they've been operating. Palpatine has been letting Dooku operate on the assumption that they're equals. Yeah. Obviously they aren't. Um, and this is where that all changes. This yeah. is where Dooku bends the knee to Sidious. Um, and he has to confront Yaddle, who is still opening, you know, offering him a way back to the light. She, you know, she's, open hand saying we can still address this. She says that she's going to step down from the Jedi council because of what happened with Qui-Gon, you know, the, what happened with Qui-Gon, the fact that they didn't listen, they didn't act as a council has impacted her too. Mm -hmm. And she is going to do something about it. And she is offering, you know, a handout to Dooku to join her with that. But, he is so far in the shadow at this point that 
he's he tells her, I'm afraid it's too late for me. And that's what starts the the duel, the lightsaber yeah. duel between the two of them. Yeah, it's I mean, the, the, when he says, I'm afraid, I know you are, you know, Yaddle's response it gave me such a ringing of, of the confrontation of Han and, and, and Kylo in Force Awakens. Right. Mm. Um, I'm being torn yeah. apart. It's, it's that similar. I mean, I think for Yaddle, she senses his fear. And she thinks he's afraid of just this whole situation in general. But what he's actually afraid of is just what he knows that he I I know what I have to do. I'm afraid I don't have the strength to do it. Will you help me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to, to quote Kylo. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's this is I mean, this is classic Sidious. This is what he's going to do to Dooku himself a few years later in uh, in the invis on the you know, the 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 bridge of invisible hand, you know, between him and Anakin. This is what he does between Luke and Vader and return of the Jedi is he requires his new apprentice to prove themselves through blood. Um, and, uh, and we've always known that to kind of be true again. Like I think the old legends belief was that Dooku strikes down Sifo-Dyas and that's how he solidifies it. Again, they, they've changed the story a bit here, but the, 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 the truth of the story remains, even if the details have changed, Right. Is that Dooku also has to put on a show for his new master, um, and and I really enjoy the fight. Again, really well choreographed. It looks great. Yes. Um, and when Dooku wins the fight initially and believes that he's now killed Yaddle, right, makes the slams the door down on her. Oh. When we get that shot of him though, then immediately falling to his knees, I'm just like, this is Anakin. What have I done? Right. It's yeah, it's this moment yeah. of defeat. And then here comes the devil behind you to say, you've done well, my apprentice, my f- now rise, my friend. I thought when he said rise again, it's it's similar to the language he speaks to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. I was like, oh, is this where he's going to call him Lord Tyrannus? Um, but he says my friend, which mm-hmm. I actually almost like more. Because, again, yeah. like you said, at the start of this, it's almost like they're equals. And this is Palpatine. You tr- proved you're loyal to me, but we're still equals, you know. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. You're still my friend. Um, right. You're still my friend. But now let me teach you some things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what do you- we, we, we don't necessarily get that in this, but it's implied that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Right, and obviously this is incredible foreshadowing. This is exactly how Dooku's going to go down himself in the in the face yes. of of this uh, tempting evil man. Um, what do you think the council assumes happens to Yaddle? I mean, he literally kills her with his lightsaber. Um, does he just dispose of the body and then they just assume she's gone missing forever? Or Again, like I don't think this is a necessary. We don't necessarily need the answer. I'm just genuinely curious. Right. What? Do you, how do you think this gets spun? Ah, uh, that's a very good question. I mean, you have, you know, a potential death ready made uh, in, you know, what almost killed her. You know, mm-hmm. you could just put the body right back in the gate and let that that's true. be. You know, yeah, but there's a lightsaber slash on her now. But if that thing is big enough, you know, that's true. Yeah, you crush her up. Yeah. On, <laughs> you know, it's 
But what is she doing? I, it's there? gruesome. It's yeah. gruesome. You know, I, yeah. I, but that's the thing. You know, you don't know. You know, she yeah. went off to explore something. There was an accident that happened, and she ended up dead. You know, the the whole council, pretty much, except for her, is off world at this point. You know, they're they're on Naboo is or she, heading there. Is she in the? celebration at the end of phantom menace i'm trying to remember no. if she's she's not okay no she's okay. not so she she's doesn't not, go that, okay that's that's important i mean so that's a great great thing to note then you know accidents can happen yeah. when when you're away from the family <laughs> yeah exactly um, so you know i i wondered that too i was like how are they going to spin this but you know when you've got two very smart people in dooku and palpatine uh, that are in charge of whatever might get out. Um, you know, you, you can come up with any explanation, you know, perhaps even, you know, later on Dooku says, you know, I, I came across her. I, I sensed a disturbance and I found her, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and returns her to the council, um, as a way to try and move suspicion off. You know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know. It depends on how that would happen. I, but there's definitely going to be a, a little bit of, of cleaning this up uh, that we don't see. But between Dooku and Palpatine, who are both very intelligent, very smart men, uh, I don't think they would have too much of a problem doing that. Um, True. But, of course, the the final statement that happens uh between yaddle and dooku i think is is one of the key things of this episode is you know he's he tells her i just wanted to bring order and peace to the republic and she says you know as she's exhausted and beaten and bruised she says you know how many people have died for your order Mm mm-hmm he doesn't really answer that question. He says, well, then let me bring you peace. And that's when it kills her. Yeah. And, and we get the, you know, the, it's almost like the, um, the Padme's ruminations music in revenge of the Sith. Uh, when Anakin is looking across Coruscant, uh, towards Padme's, uh, apartment. Um, and that, that haunting, uh, singing, you know, that, that happens there is almost exactly what, what plays here, you know, as he, he finally finishes it. Yeah. And I love the way they close the shot with it, just fading to dark and just the orbs of, of Sidious's eyes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. Um, So yeah, I, I love these episodes. I love what they do for Dooku. They they make mm-hmm. him a very three-dimensional character in a way that isn't... I, I think they do that with Jedi Lost as well, but um, not everybody listens to audiobooks slash reads scripts of them. So for mm-hmm. those who haven't gotten to enjoy that story, um, this is a very, very kind of streamlined way of telling a story about someone who becomes disenchanted with this order and walks away with noble intentions to make the galaxy better. Um, and I think after watching this, even the first time, my initial thought was, 
Um, because I've always asked for, ever since, you know, 2002, when we first saw that scene between Dooku and Obi-Wan and he tries to recruit him, I've always wondered, is this, is this legitimate? And I think most people would say, yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty legit. I think now after watching these three episodes, it's canon legit that like, yeah, he is definitely <laughs> trying to recruit Obi-Wan. Like, I, I think he genuinely, probably at this point too, especially doesn't really trust Sidious, doesn't no. really believe in him. Um, there's a great scene in that novel. I, I just reread dark rendezvous where Dooku's talking to Asajj and Asajj is trying to get Dooku to fully recruit her as an apprentice so that they can go after Sidious together. And she basically says to Dooku, like, why are you letting him play you like this? He doesn't care about you. He's just using you for your power. It's a great scene between her and Asajj. And he is in, in the back of his mind, mildly tempted. Um, but he's not sure she's quite powerful enough. Um, but then you've got this moment with Obi-Wan, you know, Qui-Gon's immediate protege, uh, you know, and I think that's, I, I just really think it's a genuine offer. Um, and, oh, yeah. and another sense of, you know, f- like loss of like, oh, darn it. Okay. Well, it may be difficult to secure release. Like, it's like, dang it. I, I really tried. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would agree. The, the offer is genuine, you know, uh, Dooku Dooku is smart enough to know when he's being played and he knows that he's being played by Palpatine. He doesn't think he can get out of it. Um, and he thinks that, you know, at the beginning of the Clone Wars might be the perfect opportunity to try and, you know, maybe take control of this, you know, these plans for the greater good as we we heard in in these these shorts uh, from Palpatine and and put himself in charge if he can recruit Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Um but Obi-Wan is too good of a Jedi to to do that. So yeah. Uh, which on some level I would imagine uh Dooku is a little proud of the the stubbornness that that Qui-Gon probably passed on to Obi-Wan <laughs> in that. Yeah. So for sure. <laughs> uh yeah, so yeah, I mean in general Jason, these three episodes were definitely my favorite part of Tales of the Jedi. Um yes. I just think they're so well made and like we said, they do so much to really flesh out who Dooku is and his reason for leaving. Um Absolutely. I mean I don't think this is anything out of line with the what's been floating around even in Legends for years is Dooku leaves because he doesn't believe in the Order anymore. Um, even All the way back to that deleted scene from Attack of the Clones where Jocasta Nu is talking to Obi-Wan about it. You know, He left ultimately because he just didn't believe in the Republic anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, He was too much of an idealist for the reality of the galaxy. And these stories really flesh it out, though, in, in a kind of dark overtones right you know with this he sees firsthand how corrupted the the system is becoming and is seeing that the jedi by aligning themselves to it are allowing themselves to be corrupted inadvertently um and are just blind to it so dooku dooku does see himself as as kind of this uh enlightened one if you will and fine Mm -hmm. if you won't if you won't fix it while i'm in here and you won't even fix it 
after, then I have to remake everything. It's a bit of a savior complex, which I do think is part of his flaws, right? He's got a lot of hubris mm-hmm. himself. Um, oh, but yeah. the but the intentionality is good, you know. Um, yeah. Here, of course, you- the irony the irony in all of it is that uh, in in trying to fight this corruption, both of the Republic and of the the Jedi within the Republic, uh, he ends up getting too close to the source of the corruption and has corrupted himself. Mm, good point. So yeah. that that is the tragedy of Dooku. Yeah, you know, it, it, and I think a lot of these these, uh, if a Sith Lord is created by being drawn to the dark side from you know from a good place like Anakin and Dooku, it's always a tragic story that gets them to that point. Uh, it's never a, a desire to just uh, you know for chaos or or. Or something like that 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 leads them on that path. It's always a disillusionment with one thing or another mm-hmm. within the system that they're in, uh, that gets them on the path that ultimately leads to their their corruption. And and Dooku is by the time we get to the Clone Wars a very corrupt, uh, corrupted person. Yeah, and he's. Become the thing, the very thing he was trying to fight against. Yes. Yeah. His story is so much the story of Anakin. And and, and again, those those broad beats. Um, yes. Of being this heroic, good, good-willed and good-natured person who becomes disillusioned and is then polluted by the wrong source. Um, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The... If you haven't seen Tales of the Jedi yet, you should. Well, also, should we never issued definitely. a spoiler warning at the beginning. Whoops. But so. Oopsie. Well, whatever. you know, when we're doing an entire episode <laughs> yeah. about half yeah, yeah, yeah. of this series, I would imagine people would assume spoiler. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you haven't watched it and you're at this point in it, I mean, we've spoiled a lot about it, but you got to watch it, y'all. It's so good. Yes. Even, so if good. You, even if you haven't watched it and you just wanted to hear us talk about it, I. Uh, we can only do it so much justice. Um, you know, definitely go watch it. They they are very impactful, incredibly well done. And I hope uh, Dave Filoni and crew have a few more Jedi down the line that they might want to explore uh, their stories and do another season of this um, in a in a year or two. Yeah, yeah. I hope that this becomes a a regular a regular program because um, it was, it was great. And uh, there's so many other Jedi and even eras to explore. It'd be really cool. It'd be really cool to see the high Republic touched on. Um, and maybe it we would. will once the high Republic story has gotten further along and they can, you know, not worry about spoiling things. Um, right. But uh, maybe, yeah. maybe get some, some stories of Luke. Just going to say Jedi. that. Yeah. Luke post, post return of the Jedi um, would be and, awesome. And uh, Ray post yeah, rise, rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah, that'd also be awesome. Um, Tales of Quinlan Voss uh, helping people along the path during the dark times, mm, right? Like stories yeah. like that. Um, you know, yeah. So time will tell, Jason. Time will tell. So, uh, yeah. Um, 
there is our very comprehensive look at the Dooku arc and Tales of the Jedi. Um, like we said, we're going to be back next week to talk about the Ahsoka episodes as well. Excited to dive into those too. Um, but uh, as always, right? Like we want to hear what you think. What did you think of these Dooku episodes? We, we always love to hear that feedback. Absolutely. And uh, I, all I can say, Carl, is that I'm going to be re- revisiting this series and these episodes in particular a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, my boy Dooku was uh, represented in such a fantastic light uh, through these that um, they might be my favorite Dooku stories right now. Yeah, of course, they're, they're very fresh, so right, that right. might be part of it. Um, but they're definitely very high up there in my list of stories about Dooku. So. Yeah. yeah, they're great. All right. Well, uh, Carl, if people do want to weigh in on on these episodes and uh, give us their thoughts or, or comment on our thoughts about it, where can people get in contact with us? Uh, well, we're on Instagram at uh, The Wampus Lair. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Wampuslayer. And you can always email us at wampuslayerpodcasts at gmail.com. Excellent. Anything else before we close down this episode? No, I just kind of want to go rewatch these episodes again. <laughs> <laughs> Same. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampuslayer Podcast. This has been episode number 490, Tales of the Jedi. Dooku. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. Mm-hmm.